Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Commander's Palace Restaurant and out to lunch. Here in New Orleans, we've learned almost literally to our own peril that when we get hit by hurricanes, one of the main barriers that stops us uh, from getting washed away are the wetlands that surround us. Although we're very aware of this environmental value of the swamp, we're maybe not as aware of the commercial value of the marshland and bayous all around us. My guests today are in very different avenues of swamp commerce, if you can have an avenue in a swamp. Hansel Harlan is a co-founder and president of Marsh Dog. Marsh Dog was named Business Conservationist of the Year by the Louisiana Wildlife Federation. Hansel, welcome out to lunch. I'm sure you have a more elegant way of saying this, uh, but basically Marsh Dog turns nutria into dog food. There may be a more elegant way of saying it, but I think yours gets to the point more quickly than others. <laughs> and I'm also very excited to be able to welcome my old friend, Arthur Mithurn, uh, to Out to Lunch. Arthur is the owner of a company called Airboat Tours by Arthur. If you call a company a silly name like uh, McDonald's or Walmart, you can't expect to do well. But Airboat Tours by Arthur, see that doesn't require any kind of lengthy explanation. Uh, Arthur takes you on a tour of the swamp in an airboat, right? Uh, well, partly because uh, in Louisiana, on your airboat tour, you don't just have to sit and watch the cypress trees go by. You can also shoot alligators. Uh, Arthur Mithurn, uh, welcome to Out to Lunch. Certain times of the year, don't get me in trouble with wild and fishery. Certain times of the year, you can shoot them alligators. <laughs> All year long, you can see them, but there's a certain time of the year in September that is when you can shoot them. So just September is alligator yeah. hunting season. September, yeah. Well, was it a busy September? Uh, very busy. Very, very. Do you have a number, Arthur, like how many gators you got? Mm, it used to be a little over 200, me and my son. We do like 175 now. Yeah. Wow. And I, uh, I know from being yeah. out with you, and your tours are absolutely amazing, uh, uh, you also go, go nutria hunting, hunting yeah. right? We use, use, use nutrient a lot, yeah. Is that open 12 months a year? Uh, that we usually do right after winter when the grass is flat where you can see the animals running around. You can get them uh, real, fairly easy. Now, Arthur, you've been buzzing around the swamp for 20-plus years in what I imagine was relative obscurity. Then along came TV shows, Duck Dynasty and Swamp People. And I would guess that the popularity of these shows has been good for business. Have the shows had an impact on you? It definitely, definitely was good for business. They actually, they actually, actually me and my son to do the swamp people thing before they actually met a guy. But at the time, we was working for BP in the golf on that oil spill and had a crew of airboats all the way up in Michigan working that oil spill. And the wife was at home doing a tour business, so I wasn't about to pass up all that money to go play Swamp Man. They swamp people for three months out of the year. I'm swamp people for 12. <laughs> <laughs> now, Arthur, actually, I, um, you've actually, way before Swamp People, you've always been the tour boat operator to celebrities, haven't you? Who have you oh, taken yeah. out? Quite, quite a few. Brad Paisley, the country singer, came out. We just recently had Paul Allen several times. And the guy from all Microsoft? Kind of, yeah, all kind of movie stars, singers, Pat Benatar, and all, all kind of people come. A lot of, a lot of times they don't even tell you who they are. You just figure out after they're on, their, on the boat for a while. 
You, know, you never know who's going to show up. Well, that is great. And Hansel, you've taken a pretty unlikely product, uh, Nutria, and uh, found a way to combine a bunch of positives into it. Uh, Nutria are a pest that contribute to the destruction of the wetlands, and there's a need to control the Nutria population. So you're helping out there, but there's also a nationwide trend to indulge our pets and to be aware that they, like us, require a healthy diet to stay healthy. It turns out that Nutria meat is super healthy, uh, high protein, low fat, what made you think of producing dog food rather than turning Nutria into food for, uh, for human consumption? Well, they had tried to turn it, into, turn it into food for human consumption some time back when they were initially trying to figure out how to tackle the problem of the overpopulation of Nutria. This was sort of after the fur industry, after the bottom fell out of the fur industry. And when they found out that people just really couldn't perhaps get over the stigma of the way that the animal looked, they sort of gave up and just said, well, we'll just pay this bounty. But that bounty is really sort of taking the price of the fur industry insofar as giving financial incentives to the trappers to go out there and keep the population in check. Because without that, the population will just explode. So right now, the state spends over $2 million each year, each year, to keep the population in check. And that merely cuts the grass, right? That doesn't solve the problem. That just keeps the population at a flat line. So that expense is an occurring expense that the state has to make every year. So what our business model is aimed to do is to try to take the place of the fur industry by creating a new capital demand for the meat so that we can eventually sort of take the pressure off the Nutria Bounty program because it's going to have to go up eventually from 5 to say $7 a, 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 a tail. And this is money that the state could use for other great things, such as rebuilding levees or other improvements to the wetlands. So by taking the place of the fur industry, by trying to take the furs of the fur industry, we want to give pets a quality treat, uh, save the state money, and uh, help preserve the wetlands, which has all sorts of benefits in and of themselves. And how long have you been operating under Marsh Dog? We opened, uh, this will be, be two years in December. Wow, and I, I'll ask you both this because it's kind of folklore, but how did the Nutria get here? I mean, I hear all kinds of different stories. What, what do you think is the, or even tell me the most outlandish one, what the heck? Well, supposedly it was supposed to be Mac Henley with the spices, they brought them down to mix with the mushroom to make a better pelt and everything, and they got loose in a hurricane, and now they're like three states over, like he's talking about. <laughs> Is that what you hear too? Or? Well, the, 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 the McElhaney's have since done historical research to say, hey, it wasn't us, right? <laughs> but basically it was like sort of a get-rich-quick scheme back in the early 30s where people would bring these, fur, bring these animals in, they reproduce like, 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 like rabbits on steroids, right? And so they're just a great source of money back for these guys back then. But eventually they got loose, as they all will do, and uh, the wetlands, Louisiana's wetlands, are an ideal environment for them. Now they're from Argentina, and there's wetlands in Argentina, but the wetlands down there are controlled by seasonal variations. So that's how the population, how, that's how the population is kept in check there. So they were actually transplanted up here into what is an absolutely ideal environment for them, which is Louisiana wetlands, which is basically sort of the same temperate conditions as, as Argentina. But the wetlands never go away. So it's, you know, as far as Nutria goes, this is just a wonderful place for them. Really? So if you're a travel agent for Nutria, this is 
This, this is, is it. really where to go. Now, you, um, first of all, you're an attorney by, by trade? That's correct. That's, a, that's an interesting combination. There's a, <laughs> and, and you got into this because you were studying in South America, or that's what kind of, it all clicked? I was studying, I was, in a, I was in graduate school in Argentina, and that's where I first learned that nutria were not an indigenous animal to Louisiana, which I had always sort of assumed growing up, but they were an invasive species. And so from that, I had always just sort of had nutria on my mind. So every time a story would come about, I would, you know, look into it. And so that was right about the time that the state was trying to tackle the issue of how to control the nutria population. And they're uh, a delicacy down there, right? They are. They are indeed. How can we get them? And I got to ask you, going back to what Arthur had said earlier. We don't have my anacondas on it. Got anacondas that, that, that helps keep the population down. There you go. Let's not do that either. No, there's, right. the, uh, there's not the anacondas. Arthur, you had mentioned that the, the, the skins themselves, the pelts, were worth quite a bit, and then the bottom just fell out. What happened? Animal activists with the, the, the furs and, and stuff like that were hardly worth anything. Down to, down to a buck and a half, nobody would trap them anymore because it wasn't cost effective between the traps and cleaning the canals and all that. It wasn't cost effective to clean, so everybody stopped trapping them. And then, like you said, it just exploded. They, they breed three times a year, six, eight in a litter, so it don't take them long to overpopulate. Well, I, I had heard once that... Uh, the alligators eat them, the, the hawks and stuff eat them when they're babies and all that stuff, but they populate a lot faster than everything else. I, I heard that in Europe, women love these because it is a beautiful, beautiful pelt. We, it, Harlan brought one here for us now, but... Um, but they once they saw the animal and then it had this kind of rat tail, it sort of lost its uh, its allure. I don't know. I that might be the uh, the answer too. Arthur, what else do you see when you uh, when you go out there into the marsh? I mean, uh, we see the hawks, eagles, owls, and the, like you said, the nutrias after winter. You see them about a hundred. Say not to see over a hundred in at least an hour tour. But you got alligators, snakes, and all kinds of all sorts of stuff. And you got uh, a beautiful cypress swamp. We take them through with the moss grape trees and all that stuff. Wow, that is now. I mean, this is the story that when I've been telling people you were coming on the show, um, this this is the one everybody wants to talk about because they think, first of all they they assume you're vertically integrated. Like somehow, despite your law degree, you're out there and you're hunting these nutria, <laughs> and uh, and then you're you're bringing the tail to a trailer somewhere, and then uh, but that's probably not what's happening, right? No, it's not. <laughs> I was worried that that's what was going to have to happen when we were first originally th thinking of this idea. But, you know, by the way, my sister is uh, the co-founder with me, so we're both And she's we're both a, a graphic designer? She's a graphic designer. She must have done these, these packaging. That's exactly right. She handles all our marketing and public relations and has done a really great job in doing that because, as mentioned earlier, we sort of have to overcome some negative perceptions as to the animals. And uh, she's been really instrumental in, in, in getting that off the ground because if we didn't do that, it wouldn't be working. Right. But uh, yeah, that's part of the challenge of this of this of this business enterprise is that we had to really create a supply chain from animals in the in the wetlands to nutria in a package, right? <laughs> so uh, it's been challenging in that respect, you know. And another really big challenge, in addition to sort of combating the negative perception that people may have about nutria, is. Um, was uh, is dealing with the supply issues because we can only get them three time, three months out of the year. So then I have to extrapolate forward in a growing business as to what the demand is going to be over the next nine months until That's I can get That's why I introduced you to again. Arthur here. He can <laughs> get him to you all the time. Now, but, but what you're really doing is, is this is sort of a backyard operation? Well, uh, it started off that way, okay. right? We were going out of a commercial kitchen located on our, on our residential property. We've now expanded. We now have Marsh Dog International Headquarters, which is a large <laughs> What town warehouse. is that in? <laughs> it's in Baton Rouge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we have uh, we have a large commercial kitchen now set up in there that we've uh, fully outfitted, and uh, and then we work with contractors as well who are helping us make this nutrient jerky. I, that was the new thing you showed us. Nutrient. Where we started hunting was keeping the whole rat. We'd bring them in, we'd take the meat and skin it, and sell it to the alligator farmers. They would right. feed the alligator at the thing, and the pelts were we'd sell them up leaving Colorado. But they got a little plant out there they call a fouchette. It's a little picker that goes in the fur and they would leave holes in the fur. So the fur buyers didn't want to buy them because they had holes in the fur. So it wasn't cost effective to clean them just for the meat. So yeah. now we just chop the tail, just bring the tail in. Like I said, it's an awful lot of waste. Now that I know you don't meet like that, you can hook up to get together. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I went out with Arthur, I, uh, we, we had a gator and uh, I'm not a very good shot. And it, there were several, we had several bullet holes. And I think by the time the skins made it to Italy, it was, you know, uh, Paco was saying, you know, these are going to have to be sandals. I think these are. Uh, it was very, uh, very difficult. But now, Arthur, you're um, at these price when these alligators. Um, is it the prices fluctuate, right? I mean, the for the skin. What, what do you get? What do you get I've seen for? I think get as high as sixty-eight dollars a foot. I think it gets as low as twelve dollars a foot. A lot of uh, farmers farming them, picking up eggs and farming the, uh, the alligators. So they flood the market with the skin. So the price been dropping down uh, pretty, pretty quick. Now they, they they want more uh, bigger alligators to make the luggage and boots and stuff like that. The farmers that they had a market down pat with the smaller alligators for wallets and flexible stuff. So that's why the, the uh, top prices on the bigger alligators. We got uh, I think forty dollars a foot over ten foot this year, and they went all the way down to what twelve dollars a foot I think something like that on the small ones. And what about the meat? Does that price fluctuate too? That, that went sky high since the swamp people everybody wants to try the meat I guess it went from like two dollars a pound to ten dollars a pound. So it's, <laughs> I, I used to skin my alligators. And I'm thinking real hard about start doing it again. Now that the price, the meat is worth as much as the skin now. So and you it, and, uh, and, and it's in great demand. Well, so you did I your own process. I can't understand why uh, the guy that I buy my alligators is is taking the whole alligator and making doggy treats out of it, unless he's making good money with doggy treats. Because the meat is uh, uh, everybody's crying for the meat. So this is alligator doggy treats, and then, now we have nutria doggy. Yeah. Boy, if you're a dog in Louisiana, yeah. things are really picking <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. good, yeah. Now this is the time of the show we, we uh, do something called the checklist. It's the part where we take a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. Let me ask you, what do you think is the absolute biggest waste of time in your life? Given my primary profession, I'd have to say email. Ah, that's right. Because <laughs> people are bothering you with this lawyer and e stuff. Email just consumes your life, right? It's just everybody, just, it's, just, it's the ping-ponging back and forth of, of, of communications that just take up a lot of time so it was meant to help but but if it didn't and then arthur if, if you were to give it if i give you that question what what's the biggest waste of your yeah. time uh, kim i mean somebody got to do it they have chemicals all over the world but i worked in a chemical plant and that was i hated that every day we're going to work the fumes was bad uh, it was disgusting <laughs> i can't believe i stayed as long as i did <laughs> you fight you worked your way out yeah. though now guys uh, it's time to check the inbox that's where the producer picks a question that's come in uh, over the past week from a listener uh, grant what have you got We've been pardon the pun swamped with questions. I should have I should have rehearsed that actually. That just came to me. For both of our guests, I don't know which one to choose. Let's just start at the top. Arthur, here's a question from Eileen Lowe, who asks, "What time of the year is prime hatching time? That is, when are mama gators most aggressive?" Uh, that'll be around in the June, July. They have to have the eggs. They protect them. Actually, when they first drop the eggs in August. And when they hatch out and the babies are crying, that's probably the most time that they're most aggressive. But they, they, they're real aggressive towards the nest throughout the, the hatch, hatching when they have the eggs and everything. People talk about alligator hunting being dangerous. Alligator hunting ain't nothing. You pull a 
alligator up, you shoot him. You don't want to shoot the female because she's the producer for the eggs, so you want to make sure you take care of her and she's coming at you at 15 miles an hour. So it gets a lot more dangerous when you're fooling with that, picking up those eggs than we do with the alligator hunting. <laughs> that ended up being a pretty good question. Absolutely. Hansel, I got tons of questions for you from people about the nutrient qualities of nutria. So this one, I guess, was basically says it all in a very simple sentence from Christy Adele. What kind of nutrients do Nutria biscuits provide for dogs? Well, the primary source of the primary nutri nutrient is protein because the Nutria meat is very high in protein, low in fat. It's like turkey, but the ratio is even better. You know, and it has no hormones, no artificial additives like you'll get in sort of domesticated meat. So most times you don't have, have non-domesticated meat sources being used for animals just because there's no really area where you can go out and hunt wild animals in a cost-effective way and reduce them to a, to a treat that's, uh, that, that, that's for animals. But uh, this is just a really unique situation that we have down here in Louisiana where we're able to do that. So the protein source is probably the best. You know, this was originally designed to be an alternate protein source for a dog that I had that had a bunch of skin allergies and allergies to other things that were normally contained in more commercial dog foods. So I would say that's probably the most, the, the primary benefit. And you know, it's funny, you're not the first guest that has invented something because of a, a need at home, you know, which is a very interesting. Did it help your dog, by the way? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and a lot, of, a lot of vets carry our biscuits and our jerky for that exact reason because it creates a, basically a non-allergenic or it offers a non-allergenic source of food for animals that may be having skin problems and may be having a reaction to something out there in the commercial dog food world that they're unaware of. And what is the difference between actual dog food and people food? Like, I don't know if it's because we haven't been served yet, but, but that jerky is starting to look pretty good to me. <laughs> and um, the, yeah, it, could, a, could a human... Um, what would happen to me? Might I chase squirrels? What would the happen? Only, the only difference, you know, put it this way, in the biscuits, everything in here is human grade except for the nutria meat. And in the jerky, the only thing in the jerky is nutria meat. But the, the problem or the challenge is, and so far as marketing them to humans, is that it's not USDA inspected. Because in order to be USDA inspected, you basically have to have the, you know, a, a, a strict process from the live animal to the reduced meat. In other words, you know, when you go in a stockyard and they watch from the time that it was put down and how it's processed and make sure it was done in sanitary conditions, et cetera. But you really can't have that sort of monitoring in the wild, right? Because these guys are going out, hunting them, collecting them, bringing them in. So that's why it's not USDA inspected, so we can't market it as to being for humans. But I mean, you could eat it if you wanted to try it. I guess maybe I'll get in trouble for saying that, so I shouldn't say, don't act on this advice. Now, your results may differ. Natural Geographic came out with me and did a thing one time, and uh, we uh, cooked the uh, insectorium people from New Orleans brought them out. Right. They cooked them all kind of crazy stuff, dragonflies and bugs and all that stuff. So we cooked them alligator, nutria, and frog. And they ate the alligator and nutria and thought it was great, but they wouldn't eat the frog. I said, frog, frog is the best thing out here. I don't know what's wrong with them. They wouldn't eat the frog, that's the best thing on it we had. Arthur, I'm going to ask you and, a question. And they gobbled down that nutria. Uh -huh. and, it, and it's funny that you're having dog, doggy trees, because when I was younger, I used to dogs, use dogs to hunt the nutria. Uh -huh. Wow, you've created the circle of life there in the swamp, <laughs> Arthur. They, you know, a lot of people listening that have a, have a business, Arthur, would say, uh, you know, how did you get 
to, I, you've become the person people go to. I mean, back when I remember the, the, the real people was on MTV mm -hmm. and they, is it once you got one gig, you sort of became the, the guy other. to go to? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. This beautiful swamp that we have that we run in, the abundance of wildlife and the airboat rides are fun, just the, the boat ride is fun. And just, they come out and have a good time and word them out. People tell one person, the other person tell the other person and so on and so on. And I think they think and Arthur's doing, a good... Do, and been doing it for 20 years, so it must be still working. <laughs> <laughs> I think they think Arthur's a good character to have yeah. on, on the shows, too. They, uh, <laughs> Arthur Mathern, uh, we ain't gonna Hunslow. Talk, we ain't going to talk too much about the MTV day. <laughs> no, that's right. Well, that was, that was problematic. But, but you've been very good. You've been a, you've been a star for our area. They, uh, to me, Duck Dynasty and Swamp People are just... You know, newbies. Arthur's been, been our hero for a long time. Huh? <laughs> Arthur Mathern, Hansel Harlan, uh, you've got one more minute to soak up big city life here at Commanders before heading back to the swamp. Uh, thank you both for taking the time and making the drive to New Orleans uh, today to meet me on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Hansel. And, and Arthur, yeah. great to see you. Uh, nice seeing you again. I've been looking forward to the show for a long time. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Arthur Mathern, the owner of Airboat Tours by Arthur, and Hansel Harlan, the owner of Marsh Dog. Uh, to find out more about Arthur's tours or Hansel's treats, follow the links on our website, WWNO and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. The technical producer is Eric Merle. The fetching Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch here at the table at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, online at joneswalker.com. Additional support provided by Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management, LLC, Lupa Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments.